0: and welcome to an episode of this week in x presented by crushing comics we are here today to talk about all of the x-men comics that were out on the 10th of march 2021 and there were three there was children of the atom number one delayed almost a whole year from its original release schedule x factor number eight and wolverine black white and blood number four so with our coverage comes a caveat we are going to fully spoil all of these books we're going to talk about the whole jonathan hickman x-men era and all of the details they're in, and probably we're going to talk about other X-Men history and Marvel history. So we are not averse to getting into spoilers on this show, and you should come in prepared with that knowledge. But before we dig into all those spoilers, we have to say hello. So first I'm going to say hello to huh and Freya, let me ask you, uh, is there a time in your life when you met a group of friends or joined a group of people and you had this moment of saying like, whoa these are my people for whatever reason. And and what was that reason?
1: Well, it's every time we meet together for the x Like, Aww. you know, it's literally, is. it's like, oh, these are my people. We're like mm-hmm. the, we're, we're the geeks and nerds or whatever it is you call it. Like, I don't know what's a politically correct term nowadays to call ourselves. But uh, I mean, it, it's right? like, you know, the, the, I haven't, I've always been a reader of, whatever genre books and whatever you talk about thing is i feel like since we i joined the group that we are all part of and where we met each other i have not had a place where i could talk about my hobby to anyone before and then this has been it like you know it led me to meet all of you my people and then Uh you know talk about comics whether we sometimes we love it sometimes we don't but we get to talk about it and we get to fight about it. So this is my people. Moment.
2: Not to make it more wholesome, but yeah, free hell. Like I remember when we all met at C2E2 in Chicago and it just felt like effortless. We were just like all yes. like totally clicked immediately. Just talking about all this stuff. It was like, yeah, that, yeah. that is it. You're right.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and then you introduced me to the You introduced me to Jonathan Hickman as if I'm someone he should know, and then he was super Never confused. Never gonna let it go. Yeah, and he was That's super This is like one of the confused. major
0: origin story points of mythology on this program. I know. is <laughs> meeting with Jonathan Hickman.
1: Yeah,
0: and here's Furia.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then he's like, "Uh huh, who's that?"
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> For me, there's also like one further component of, I I really had no geeks to talk about comic stuff with ever because I I didn't have any, nobody I knew read comics like I did in the 90s. I remember getting the max, like single issues, single digit issues of the max early in the run before all the MTV stuff was made it even more popular. And then it had a pen pal page in the back and being like, mom, I want to like write to one of these pen pals to have somebody to talk about comics with. And my mother was like, you're not going to give out our address to some (laughs) random person at the back of the comic book, they're going to come and murder you. Which maybe will lead us to our second question. But Uh, you know it's so different now because not only are there people to talk about comics with but I also love people who want to talk about comics critically you know who are not just reading a comic and going like eh thumbs up thumbs down but like thumbs down but the colors were beautiful or like thumbs up but there are some real problems with representation in this comic because to me that's it's there's no other industry, no other art form out there um, that's pumping out as much material to have this kind of response to other than like comics and manga and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And and that is also high art. And I just think that's so cool. And, and that's why I really do feel like it is my people all oh, that just And you so- do
1: and you don't even have to give out your address these
0: days. No, nobody needs to know where I live. I'm yeah. just here in, the, in the, the comic cave and nobody needs <laughs> to know anything about it. But Harry, pulling out a theme from that, <laughs> hello. Uh, oh. My question for you is, you know, there's a lot of horror and suspense movie tropes that we know well from the movies. But was there a time in your life that um what was like the scariest or most horrific thing where you were like, am I in a scary movie? Is this going to be the end? Am I going to be victim
2: number one? So I have a few stories I could pick from. I'm trying, <laughs> i am been like, deciding. Well, Harry's
0: answer is always yes, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm trying to decide which Man. is my favorite. I know, well, actually I'm gonna pick one that wasn't in Florida. Uh, but so, But it still although- it happened
1: it still happened to the Florida man so yeah yeah
2: no trust me I bring that with me wherever I go yeah exactly uh, so I uh, my family's originally from upstate New York and uh, we used to visit every year to go see my grandparents and um, occasionally we would stop by uh, the local cemetery and we would see uh, you know people you know our family members who had passed and you know I'm getting older and I it's like in upstate New York, it's freezing cold, gray as hell, they don't have sun there, not really, no offense guys. And um, like across the way, there's this old, like half run down, like settler, settler village, like these tiny houses and huts. It's not like totally Amish, but it's like, it's very clearly from like at least 40 years ago. And I'm like, well, dad, what is that? And he's like, oh, this is where a group, I don't know if they were a cult, but they're kind of like this like commune, they would be here every summer. But they've stopped going and now it's just kind of empty and you know being me i'm like i gotta go check it out like (laughs) i would expect (laughs) nothing
3: less
2: (laughs) yeah like tempt, tempt fate go run over so basically it's separated by a creek and i went with my little brother with my two brothers and we're like walking in the creek trying to get to a place where we can climb up to the other side and we're getting closer we're silent as we can and we're beneath one of the houses and we start to walk up. And in the most feral voice I've ever heard, we just hear, get out of (laughs) here! And we turn the hell around and one of us slipped and we were all just running away. And uh, I don't know who was there, I never will, but um, it was very scary. (laughs) It was a ghost. Oh my goodness.
1: It was a ghost, we know it it was,
2: the, it was um, or maybe it get, was
1: that guy that uh, that peter went to pick up something that one time my <laughs> ghost wanted. from the
0: cemetery i was like he, yeah, did no. harry see my cemetery ghost <laughs> can, like, I,
3: you know,
0: can, we to, can i
2: yeah, can i no, tell my runner up my runner up story
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> way quicker
2: my uh, my friend and i were like driving through uh, st augustine area like a few years ago we found this um this old uh, abandoned hotel that had been like retaken by uh by, like the vegetation but yeah, yeah but it goes so we kind of like walked in you're know, like, kind of walking through the broken glass we're checking out each building it's just like this totally rundown like totally desolate uh motel and then eventually my friend just goes hey we gotta go and i, I look in the room with him and in the room there's this dirty sleeping ba- uh, sleeping bag and right next to it is like a dirty stroller and just a baby head
3: a, and- of a doll
2: Of a doll, of a doll, yeah. (laughs) A doll's baby had to be clear. And we were just like, cool, good talk. We got to go. And we just very quietly walked out as fast as we could. And um, yeah, that was fun. It was very scary. (laughs)
3: Wow.
1: (laughs) That shouldn't have been run around. I think that's. That's, that might be,
2: yeah. I, yeah. I, I have
0: a hard time saying which one of those is scarier than the other one. I have at least
2: three more, but we can't do this forever. No, so. we can't
0: do this forever. <laughs> well, those, so we actually, uh, our normal friend and, and colleague here, Tyler, was not able to join us in time for this conversation, although he might join in for some comments midway through. So, uh, but you all know that usually these questions relate pretty closely to some of the plots. And so see if you know where they came from as we dig into these issues. X Factor number eight to begin we're gonna start with our lightning round of reactions and then we're gonna get much deeper So Tyler lightning round opinions on X Factor number
4: eight Um, While I'm a coward and hates horror slasher movies um, And part of this issue certainly veiled that way. um, I still enjoy this uh, issue immensely I mean it is fun. It is fast-paced and full of intrigue and most importantly competence porn <laughs> i mean add Aww. to that the beautiful art from Baldion this is a solid 4.5 wink wink out of five
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: lightning round fria what
0: did you think of this issue
1: well x factor is yeah. slow not slowly but you know has became one of my favorites of all the X Factor, X titles that's out there right now. And this week, this week's issue, I'm still in love. You know, I loved it. It was a lot of horror element, but then it was a lot of like, you know, competence porn things that was going on. And then at the end of the day, things get resolved. And it's just a lot. You know, a lot was going on and I, re- you know, I'm still in love. Not a lot of like, you know, character mo- moments that we have seen before. So, but it is the, the team coming together and getting something done. So, loved it. I am all in. More X Factor every week.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hurry. <laughs> All right, so this issue was very, was, was good. It was very strong. I think the issue is, well, no. So the this is not my favorite issue of this series, not by a long shot. But the problem is the series is so good, it is hard to be at that level issue to issue to issue. Um, I think this issue is a visual showcase. It's just Baldy on just continuing to top himself. Like, I think the story here is the art, you know, the plot is you know kind of simple. There was an attack and they've kind of like regroup. That's, that's basically all that happens. So really, you know, I think free right. There's not that many like interesting character moments beyond a little bit of stuff with Dokken. Um, But more than anything, I was just reading this very impressed with the art. But uh, as we kind of talked about uh, with the new meetings issue recently, this very much felt like a middle chapter that is setting up the next thing so I'm gonna give it uh four witches out of five mm.
0: you know I think I I caught some of those vibes as well in that I I loved it it was gorgeous I I definitely don't not like don't not like it um, mm-hmm. but I just felt like it it was maybe in a rush which is a good thing I would prefer a book that's in a rush to cover a lot of plot than a decompressed book I'm sure there are some books out there that just would have played out the murder mystery of them all dying to the morgan um, in the in the bone house and then ended with them getting resurrected and just cut there. But Leah Williams and Baldion pressed on to get their encounter with the Morgan into it as well, which I think is good, mm-hmm. but I just felt like it needed a little bit more space. Like I had questions. I wanted to see more of the confrontation between Doc and the Morgan. I wanted to see more of the confrontation between Polaris and Rachel and the Morgan. So I, I can't take too many points off because I prefer a thing to move quickly, but I just think as an artifact, as a single issue, it probably just needed mm-hmm another few pages to really make these moments that we've been building up to for quite some time, frankly, yeah. feel as satisfying as they go to film.
2: The pacing feels a little odd, the way they kind of like address the 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 flashback, the flash forward from last issue and kind of the way to look at it here and then the way to kind of jump to the next thing. It's just, it's not bad per se, but I did feel a little like un, unstable during it. I, I don't know.
1: But at the same time though I kind of appreciated that it's like oh we already know in the last issue that everyone else is dead except for 3 of them. Yeah,
0: so we don't Just need to like zoom in on why need to, yeah, they died. We don't like, the l- yeah, we need
1: to Yeah, we need we don't need to look at that. Yeah, Morrigan killed them. Okay. And they can yeah. come back. So move on. Let's move on. So I think I, that for I sure. really I really appreciate it. like you know. So then there was time for other like there was time for them to come back and then take on Morrigan again. Otherwise wow. we would have spent more time on that. What's the point? We already know that.
0: And to that point, yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of creative teams would have chosen to go with those horrific moments to, like, for whatever reason. And I like here that the only moment we get with North Star and Aurora before they're killed is them just being siblings together and watching television and getting on each other's nerves for a page, you know? Like, I, I feel yeah. like a lot of comics probably wouldn't have taken the time to put that in. And when I say it needed a few more pages, it's because I would not have cut that scene. I think that was a great scene to have. Yeah, I think this, um, and so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say, oh, I wish it did less of the interpersonal stuff. I just wish there was a little bit more room for some of those things to blossom. But you know, after that scene, we open on Eyeboy, who definitely knows something is wrong, uh, in some really beautiful pages of the architecture of the inside of the boneyard. But Boy doesn't seem to be able to put his finger or, or one of his many, many eyeballs on it. <laughs> and it kind of leads to the team getting killed because he can't quite get there. Um, what did you think about this whole sequence? Was it building in suspense for you? Or do you think because we already had a reveal at the end of the last issue where you're like, okay, let's get to it.
1: So for me, though, it's like, um, I just kept on saying that, oh, how far iBoy has come. Because, mm. you know, his first, he, he was first introduced as this goofy character who just showed up um, in the, in the, um, like, you know, in the Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah. Uh Sorry like just showed up in Wolverine and the X-Men and uh so since then he has now honing in into his power there's like so much more going on with it and you know it was like he's he quite is not sure but then he knows that this existed and then there's also other people who have picked up on it that you know the young mutant has showing a lot of promises um I just I really liked that he's having so much more to do But then it also kind of brings back to um, the C2E2 that um, Harry was talking about where uh, there was a panel with Jonathan Hickman and Jason Aaron and Hickman actually told him that just (laughs) wait till you see what I do with iBoy. I would always (laughs) remember that. So even though it wasn't him doing it, (laughs) it he actually pushed, (laughs) yeah, it came through at the end. So I was just kind of thinking about that. And from from that point of view, I'm like, I'm just really liking that he's taking a not a leader, but a very like you know an interesting character with like you know very a lot of interesting things to do. I mean, who would have thought I boy in X Factor? I so, love it. So from that point of view, I think he's doing pretty good.
2: Yeah, um, I think what you were talking about, Peter, it was a little, I don't wanna say redundant, but it did feel a little bit like, let's just get to the thing already since we already established that the Morrigan's here. Now that said, I love the framing and sense of atmosphere in that scene, which is uh, Eyeboy just looking just stark, like shocked, and you're just in like this dark area. It really kind of sets the mood well. Um, It's kind of hard to be mad about pacing when the art's this good. So that was kind of my big take from that.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I was as well. Like, was it it's not again I don't think any page was wasted here and mm-hmm. but I really think that they were not wasted especially because the artwork was so good the manifestation yeah, yeah. of Iboy's power and then we flash to Daken alone in the bath and we see this beautiful huge room of him kind of just emerging naked from the bath in the same way we saw the giant beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. atrium all surrounding Iboy and I think to mm-hmm. just give us the sense of space and then to back out and use Iboy's power to see that he sees Morgan kind of infusing every single bit of the space yeah. I think that kind of sold the creepiness of it like it wasn't just this yeah. one person like creeping around behind them yeah. that's gonna stab them in the back it was kind of just like she was everywhere, everywhere in the whole boneyard and i think that you needed these pages to sell it personally um but then we get into her actual haunting right so Iboy's scared, his fear pheromones that he's putting out pulls Daken into his room, and we discovered that the only ones who have escaped the Margin's wrath so far are Iboy, Daken, and Prodigy. And we're going to get to Prodigy's revelation about his uh, his his photograph a little bit later. But I want to ask you, like, so what is Margin's play here? What She knows about resurrection, clearly, because her host keeps mm. getting resurrected. What is she gaining from this team wipe of the X-Factor team,
4: Tyler? That's the part which I have no idea, um, and <laughs> what I mentioned about, I mean, intrigue, I think this is part of it, especially, you know, the, um, right at the end, you know, um, they, okay, X Factor seems to have figured out what is happening, and what needs to be done, um, they are just missing that piece of information, which, you know, right at the end, they were just asking Siren, mm. what did you do, what was the new pact with Morgan?" So, um, I guess we'll find out next issue. But be- before we jump away, I-, I mean, I want to like add on to what you guys mentioned earlier in terms of like the establishing shots of, mm. um, of the architecture of Boneyard. Mm. I mean, we have two really beautiful panels that are framed almost exactly the same way. Like, it's a far shot, and the, there's only one lone figure like in the middle, um, and, it's, and it's a really small figure. And then mm. you see the architecture of the Boneyard. Like, um the first one is IBoy and then the second one is Darken in the in the um in the sauna, I think. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, they have a name. I forgot the name of the <laughs> I was not
1: noticing anything in that other than six abs. That's all I was
4: well, okay. <laughs> How do you yeah, how, how you. do you notice the abs when he's facing when his back is facing you.
2: The bottom panel got the... The got
1: bottom problems. abs. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's,
2: the uh, i not even, the the man's. Man's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, if the gender was reversed, we would be in trouble. But anyway, uh, get, get us out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: get us out of here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, well, so the whole team wipes effectively. D- does anybody else have any opinions, thoughts and theories about, you know, why Morgan is doing this from a strategic level other than just it makes for a good story?
1: I think Morrigan is still kind of after X-Factor and she doesn't care who's in the X-Factor. If the team name is X-Factor, she's coming after them.
3: <laughs> it just felt
1: like that. Like, honestly. Like, it's like, oh, oh my god, that other time, X-Factor got me. So this is X-Factor. I don't care. Jamie Madrox is not here. But I'm gonna go after them. If you and, choose
2: this branding, I am wrecking your Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she's anti-brand, anti-X-Factor brand. As of right now, that's what it feels like. But, you know, Tyler's right because it's just like, at the end, he, like, North her what 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 new deal you made and she's paying the price and correct me if I'm wrong sh- Terry is like Siren is in the team right she's part of the expected team
0: not a
4: yeah, of the previous X Factor team.
0: No, I know she wasn't. I mean, I think no, they would oh, be happy to have her, but yeah. I don't think we've seen that she's officially on the team. Okay,
1: so she is so officially she's not. Okay, because I don't she, so that's what I was also thinking, that is it because she's part like the, she wants to get rid of her team first all the time? Is that the deal? But if she's not on the team then uh, like you know, yeah, it's just the X Factor branding.
0: Yeah, well, she's been around, right? We saw on X Factor 4 because um, of everybody that were hurt in the X of Swords excursion. She was part of Mm -hmm. the people bringing them back because her dad was one of the people who was hurt. And then we saw last issue or two issues ago where she like storms into the boneyard and they're trying to have her not see the body garden. And so she like clearly wasn't like on the team or or living with the team at that point. But here's the thing I'm going to throw out, which I think takes us to our next discussion point. The benefit of killing them all is that resurrection isn't instantaneous and people lose some information. When yeah. they get resurrected, and we can see that in this resurrection sequence, because Daken doesn't remember anything from his last re- his last death at the hands of Morgan <sighs> in the ice field to when he's been made awakened here, because he hasn't had enough time to have a, ba- have a backup in that period. Backup, yeah. Although it seems like some other characters, particularly Aurora, have had a backup in that period, yeah. so it's clearly a, a rolling a rolling system.
4: Uh, but isn't I- it a sad thing that like Daken forgot the first kiss yes. of Aurora? That's why sometimes so good. Yeah. wrong moments. With,
1: but that's what I'm saying. What is up with this mutant men for for forgetting their love affairs <laughs> with their ladies all <laughs> the time? Because they
4: die a lot of times. That's why. But th- yeah. oh, no, that's
1: not
3: that's not fair. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm why. All it's about-
4: good though. I know. No, I,
2: I, I don't
1: want. <laughs> yeah. I don't want men to always forget. What kind of nonsensical stereotype is that? That the men will forget <laughs> and the women's like, well, do you remember? I mean, oh my God, do you remember what just happened?" I know. I
4: would but, like to see it the other way too. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, you right. know, we'll Ar- there. yeah. Ar- Aurora was more like, huh, Now I know something more than you do." <laughs> she was. She wasn't like, "Do you? Don't you remember that?" Oh, how come you don't remember that? She was not going that direction. She was going. No, but the that other was direction. her first
1: concern. Like, that was her first concern. It's like, oh, what is the last thing you remember?
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. but... But then but, again,
1: it's, it's darkened.
4: Yeah, so my, my takeaway is more like, she kind of doesn't want him to remember. So that she has like, oh yeah, I remember. But you don't. <laughs> oh,
0: well, I don't I, to me, that. that connects a little bit to why I think maybe Morgan has done this, which is, did, some of, did someone learn something critical Figure about her pretty recently? Does it help her a little bit to kind of plunge them back into this uncertainty does she know something about the resurrection process that because Siren has died so many times that they don't all appreciate you know this makes us have to take into account what we learned in X-Men 18 a week ago Mm -hmm. about every time people are getting resurrected and put into a new husk their powers are getting a little bit of a boost because Mm -hmm. it's a husk that's being activated for the first time Siren now is several iterations into that where some of these folks have not died at all yet that we know of Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a I mean I don't think it says explicitly any of those things, but as I was thinking, why would you go and kill this team? I was thinking of all of that stuff. But before we can get any farther, uh, I think this brings up one other topic too, and you can choose what of this you want to dig into, which is Prodigy. Prodigy has already had one of these missing time when he dies moments and while margan was haunting the boneyard he's digging into this picture that is of him and of tommy kissing and realizing that it's everything about it is spoofed it wasn't taken when people thought it was taken it wasn't in the place that he thought it was it was deliberately meant to mislead which only seems like something he would be so calculated as to do so why is he misleading himself about when he died before he actually died and so i think that this whole sequence brings up a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about this kind of lame duck period between (laughs) when you're last backed up and when you die which is turning into a really fascinating beat here in x factor so blind spot and yeah we could call it the blind spot anything you want to say about it whether it's specific to prodigy general to the whole team specific to doc and harry what's jumping out at you about this
2: I mean, I don't. I don't know what it is to be honest. I know that's not great for a discussion show, but I, I just am kind of <laughs> along with the ride, whatever he's planning. But like, I just, I do love that this book is addressing. Just like there are these blank periods in theory if you die too fast, and that's such a thing you could ignore if you wanted to or don't care about the story. But like, you know, they're taking the time to to dig into that in a super interesting way i do mean interesting it's like this that it's i'm very interested to see what happens with prodigy here it's just one of those tiny little touches that are just paying off so well which is why this book is so good Corey, and then this
0: also
1: this also kind of proves that the existence of this group book kind of proves that general readers should are like lack imagination so much because i have seen so many times people are like oh they can't die anymore that means it's boring
3: like well the-
1: you know what people you just suck in imagination you just suck you just have no imagination yeah, you heard it here are,
3: first yeah you are just
1: dumb i'm sorry because well, this is what happens when you resurrect because things are not normal you're gonna forget you're gonna forget the time you kissed that girl you're gonna yes. forget that you know like how many times you've died your powers you're gonna are forget probably who like, the killer um, was
0: that you just figured yeah, out you know like yeah
1: and then you're gonna you're gonna come back your powers are probably like wrecking havoc on you and you have no idea it's probably killing you and you don't know so yeah these are the things that can happen and X Factor is here to tell you all about it. Read X Factor people. I was,
2: that's what I was going to say earlier like yeah like Doc can can't really die or you know he can get brought back now but like the fact that he's lost that super tender moment with him and Aurora like that hits so much more that's like something that they lost and that's like that fits so much more on a drama level which fits for X-Men and it just feels like yeah. th- there are there are different stakes but there are real stakes you know Mm -hmm. it's it's just really good
4: i'm telling you i I, like you know there is an evil depowered prodigy running about outside krakoa (laughs) (laughs) i I believe you i think you're right yeah from from
1: from new mutant that both talar and i recently read like not new mutant sorry new x-men that we are just all yeah yeah, we're all hyped up about yeah that's that's what he's 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 running around he's there I believe
0: you, Tyler. Well, I think I, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I don't I don't want to repeat everything for your Sex free. I think you totally nailed it. It's every time you create a new status quo. Some people look at a new status quo like it's the smooth blank slate. And they're like, what are mm. gonna be the problems? What are gonna be the stakes? But like every new form of economy has a different challenge of the currency of it. And so this new form of economy is like, death doesn't, isn't valued the same. But now there's all of these different currencies around death, you know, do is, it, is there a benefit from coming back over and over again? Mm. Yes, actually, as it turns out. Yeah. But what do you lose? What does that mean for your relationships? Do you stop feeling like an authentic person because you're, there are moments that you can't say if they're yours or not. You know, for the, I think everybody here read um, Empire, the Empire X-Men yeah. tie-ins.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah. we
0: had this moment between, you know, a reawakened zombie of an X-Man on Genosha. Oh. And then oh. the current version <laughs> of that same person on... Explody Boy. Yeah, pl- Explodey Boy. And having this reckoning of, like, the one version of him was remembering more of his life than he could. But he was the future better... More healed version, but they were both him, you know. And I just think it's it's just such a beat to play. I think and, it's so fascinating, and we never had this before.
1: And R.I.P. Exploding Boy, he <laughs> died in other worlds. And it's not the same. <laughs>
4: oh. oh. no! I know.
1: <laughs> oh my god. But <laughs> but oh my god! That empire, that empire tie, wrecked me. Like I was, ki- I was, I was, I was done. Yeah. Like it's a really it was, it issue, was, yeah. it. Which, yeah. It was. It wrecked me. I
0: but mean, anyway, not to go sorry. full spoilers, and I won't actually. I, none of us can actually say anything past what I'm saying here, other than agreement or not. But uh, okay. similar themes in WandaVision, huh?
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. that's
4: yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we'll do our full <laughs> spoilers. spoilers of division chats another time. <laughs> also, also to our point, I mean to 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 what we discussed here, right? Carl was asking that question. Like how do I know it's you, you know? How right, do I cuz that's a reflection are, do no other style? people in your life like yeah. believe
0: it's really you? Yeah. Because you're missing things that are true Correct. for them.
4: Yeah.
3: You're right. Oh. Yeah. And and, you're-
4: and the, the the funny thing is that like he recognized the nostal that was like um, lovey-dovey instead of the asshole uh, North Star. <laughs> so so I, I thought that was really funny because it's like Northstar presented himself as a different person to someone he really loves as opposed to someone he, you know, to his team or his teammate or even his sister. Like he's he's more impatient with them. He's more, um, you know, um, by the book with them and that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you know, like, like his answer to, <laughs> to Professor X. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> yeah, but,
1: yeah, I, 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 so I want to talk about that. Yeah, uh, You know, if this is the time or maybe later. Because no, it's, it's like, about now. Yeah, it's like, why?
4: Because. <laughs>
3: like, why? They,
4: they do not want Ivoy to see Moira in the North Place. Yeah. So no, Professor no. X is asking that. And my sense is that. The reason why Northstar is doing this is maybe because of the general distrust with the Quiet Council.
0: No, I get that. I don't that. feel like Northstar is like as tied
4: into that though. Yeah, yes. but that's yeah. what I'm
0: saying. It didn't. Sorry. It didn't feel like he knows
1: any of this, or it's. And I know that. I I know that the you know Professor X probably has some interior, an ulterior yeah. motive because that's what his whole character, like you know, characteristics is. Uh, but the thing is, like, why is he being so? It's like no. North Star. It's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, like I mean, just just be like, okay, we'll keep you posted and never post it. But just I, I mean, I was like, okay, why are you just being mean for the sake of being mean? I don't know. I I just didn't I I didn't I didn't quite get that. I'm I like, mean, okay. I
0: saw it as a little bit of a development of, and I'm interested to hear what has to say. I mm. thought of it was a little bit of a development of this dad, Northstar. Like, he's mm. never really felt custodial towards other people. And he has these mm. younger people on the team, and we've seen that expressed already on the panel with Prodigy. But here's this creepy Xavier coming down and being like, oh, tell me about Trevor's new development. <laughs> oh. And, and Northstar is just like, get out of here. Because you have to think that Northstar is one of the few X-Men who have never been through this, um, Xavier School for the Gifted yeah. machine, like it's he's totally to the Xavier. side of that, and he yeah. sees this like userous, um version of Xavier, like coming for one of his kids, <laughs> like rest and he's of like,
3: us. No, the panel is so Back nice. Off. He just
2: like super speedy. He's just like, what's going on? What are you trying to do? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, really
1: no, cool. I mean when you say, when you use that voice, I kind of get that. Yeah, now please I'm make with
2: that- Make that his voice every ever, for every appearance ever. going forward.
3: Like yeah,
1: so <laughs> when professor. you make that Xavier voice, then I'm like, okay, yeah, I
4: get it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I mean on, on on North Star itself, right? Like we we recently recorded an episode where um, of, of reread where um, Peter revealed something about North Star that I did even I didn't know. Then he was meant Auror. to be an elf. Yeah, and then <laughs> I started noticing the elf years here.
2: That's like the first thing, man. I thought he was an elf the first time I saw him. (laughs) Sorry, not to to (laughs) make it like that. Did you
4: not see the elf years here? Maria? yeah he's looked like an elf since yeah, God, so the yeah years there yeah
0: to be like,
1: honest the- though i'm not i'm not a very i'm not a fan of Baldion's facial expression to begin with because everyone kind of looks like an elf like so <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's hard to
1: kind of i'm sorry gotcha. his faces are like you know i mean he redeemed himself by like you know by duck and being shirtless over here my goodness but the thing is like <laughs> otherwise like you know i've with faces, I'm like, if they all come together in the gala and then the exact writer's doing it, these X-Factor characters are going to look weird as F. Like,
2: we're look, putting our like, chips down now to see that play out later, be your X-Factor guy. You
1: know, they're like, they, everyone's going to look normal and they're just going to look like, I don't know. Like,
2: well, uh, I love. He does have a little thing
0: where, like, characters. all of the jaws kind of come to a, a little bit of a point on every single yeah. character. <laughs> um, so, to close out this section, though. I was fascinated with how many different ones of them were in an argument with Xavier. It was not just North Star. Polaris was also like, don't tell me about dad about this, and we don't need your yeah. backup, and X Factor <laughs> will handle it, because it's creating this team of like, they're saying that they're so good at investigating, but now they're starting to keep things from each other, and they want to keep things from Xavier, but I think the point of like, Z- at some point, are they gonna grow so much that they pose a risk to the Quiet Council and to the whole Mora and everything um, because they've managed to get their leash to be lengthened in a way that so far we've only seen um, X-Force's leash get lengthened. But now we have Scott and Jean also saying they want to have their own X-Men team and they're going to do their own thing outside the purview of the Quiet Council. It really feels like one of the developing themes in this Reign mm. of X is that people are getting farther away from the center, but what is that going to do for the amount of control but, that's I mean, able to I, be
4: exercised? I feel like for X-Force, they are getting a longer leash, but still at the end is helped by Xavier. Right. Here, X-Factor is basically saying, no, I don't want you to even hold the leash. Yeah, they don't There's, have any, oversight. No they don't have any yeah. sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want any sponsor. Basically, North Star is saying that. And, you know, basically, um, Polaris is saying that, I mean, sadly, I think... Think, unfortunately, she's going to be on X Men. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're getting tempo
1: that. in X Men, uh, but the thing is, that yeah. I like uh, I'm glad that Harry pointed it out. Though I, I like I'm. Re- remembering it, where he's like, "Hey, hey, what's up? What are you doing? What are you talking about? What helped? What's that?" <laughs> There's like a line
3: still.
0: I uh, <laughs> learned know. from from Twitter that um, Baldián and, and Colorist Israel Silva have developed this wonderful visual language where Baldián actually draws in most of those motion lines for North Star, but he doesn't dictate where how that color separation is going to happen. And they have their own little toolbox of different ways to show him speeding around. It was actually in a conversation with us on Twitter, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So shout out to David Baldián for just being awesome, and Israel yes. Silva for that matter because uh, it's cool so it I looks move so us-
2: cool <laughs> that's all I want to say it looks so friggin cool <laughs> uh,
0: so now let's move on to this final scene where they go Compute to de- de-haunt the boneyard I kind of wish we got a little bit more there was this implication that Morgan's like haunting the boneyard so she's using the Bodies from the boneyard as, as zombies. zombies, but then Polaris is also using other bodies, that including the Dead Siren bodies, as counter zombies. I just I needed like one more page. I don't know. Am I just am I just reading no. too quickly,
2: or was it a little confusing? No, it's confusing, and there's also like the art's amazing. I love the way they mm-hmm. depict the Morrigan, but it's super esoteric and crazy, yeah. like energy lines and everywhere. It can be that's that's what energy lines are. That's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it just it's it's a little it's a little hard to figure out exactly what's happening.
4: Yeah, I mean, I wrote I wrote. Sorry, go ahead first.
1: No, I'm just saying that if Claremont wrote it, there would be so many yellow boxes, we would know exactly what <laughs> everyone is doing, like, you know, like, there would be, like, three other issues of just this, and, yeah, so, now no. that we we didn't get that.
4: To, to be fair, though, Claremont is really efficient with, like, um, action scenes, so he doesn't stretch out, like, one fight scenes over, like, three issues or something like that. Yeah. So, but yes, oh, no, I know do he does, that does that, But he would. Captions. He would
1: put. He would put that many, that much caption captions
4: worth
3: of issues.
1: Home. That's <laughs> what I was talking about. That three so, issues yeah. worth of caption. Oh, of that. oh please started. kill me! Like you know, all the, the right, all the characters as they're doing it. It's like I am doing this. I'm throwing my <laughs> orb at this to do this, and then you're like, oh, kill me. So so from that point of view, I think like, you know, it worked, but it was, it was a little, you know, but I want to say though, how stylish is North Stars get up in this. God,
0: he looks good. I (laughs) just love all of them. I loved Polaris Uh, and like the plaid high-waisted pants. Like it was just, the fashion was great.
1: No 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 because the thing is his is actually like in a shiny so it's kind of like what Peter is wearing but it's a black shiny and stuff like that it just like he, and then I actually look the color was also shiny like oh like kinda, with this long he, hair and then the thing and then the it's a clean neck it's like um. Mm, like he he saying like that I should be
0: doing North Star out. cosplay is what I'm hearing
1: <laughs> Yeah, she definitely do it. I already told you. You kind of have the attitude of North Star. You do, so yeah. just em- emulate it. Like you know, wear that black, black and black, and then just go for he it. He
2: looks go like he's going friend. out, like to a party or a club. He really just it's straight up just club look. Like yeah, <laughs> I saw people but, uh, he,
0: online saying like that is such a like Québécois guy. You know, that's
4: his, what I'm his like loungewear, like, <laughs> which I, come I don't on, know he's anything <laughs> about, but I thought that was really funny. He he is French and gay. Oh, Canadian French. Okay, (laughs)
1: yeah, (laughs) like like, you know, that's
4: how he does things. (laughs) Dress is good. Like.
1: Yeah, like it's just so
0: stylish. Yeah.
1: I think mean, it's right though because when I was in Montreal, I did see that much stylish people that I yeah. don't see outside of Montreal. Yeah. So yeah, super. I mean, I just love that.
0: But um, also so just like, little. you know, I, it's the fact that somebody's thinking about this stuff. I think some people mm-hmm. who really like to draw fashion would just draw whatever fashion they want. You know, you would you could see them with their mood board of like, oh, I wanted to pull in this method. these <laughs> really work sport. for the characters. Like with Rachel, she's in this very like utilitarian, almost like um, military jumpsuit military, onesie yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of military military, but it's like bulky and she's not showing off her curves, which is like really different than how she dresses when she's in superhero gear. And I just, I just really felt like it was thought through and it's really fun. You know, Hickman made this big deal. Like everybody's got all this stuff in their closets, but I don't feel like many of the books are really talking about what clothes mean to mutants mm-hmm. other than some of the jumbo carnation stuff. And in this book, without ever saying anything, I feel like it's saying a ton about what clothes mean to these people and and what they're expressing about themselves. And we've I, now seen I some want... of them in their actual X Men uniforms, their X Factor uniforms, their casual uniforms, their yeah. pajamas, like we've seen them go through a lot of clothing. And,
1: and I want one is issue kind of... de- I, w- I want one issue dedicated to Dakin's thought about clothes. Because it seems <laughs> like, he like he that. is He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's like, these abs are my clothes. So
4: here is my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's are nothing. your shirts? Yeah, it's just no, all sarongs. Yeah, is all sarongs? It's all yeah. just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harry, love, what were you I gonna
2: love, say there? No, I just love IBoy's uh kind of like almost not totally grungy, but kinda like chill clothes and his in his little beanie. Like it does get a lot across. iBoy's just kind of like a kind of just like a dude. Dude's rock kind
4: of thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but he also have like fake eyes on in his on his shoes. Yeah. Are yeah.
0: they fake eyes, or is it that he has like a hole uh,
4: to show through the his no. feet eyes? Remember, in in issue one, he he was sticking. Oh, that's like right. Eyes I on on it. It.
3: <laughs> yes, I do.
0: All right. Well, now that we have thoroughly covered the the fashion looks here, does anybody else have any final comments about the uh, the climax of this com- this confrontation I mean, with Morgan?
2: It's weird I, seeing. I, Big panels in this book, yeah, <laughs> like big fight scene panels. Uh, not bad, just like a total different kind of like method of storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it's no, been-
4: I, I think, I, yeah, I mean, to that, I think it is very, very satisfying to see the X Factor shine individually <laughs> and as a team to get Morgan out of Siren. Like, yeah, I mean, with the 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 process of of doing that wasn't like super clear, but but I just think that like. It is competence porn. Like, is every single one is competent in mm-hmm. what they are doing? You you don't get one people who's like, ah, uh, I can't do it, I can't do it, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Like, it's like, yeah, like Rachel was like, yeah, I, I I need some backup here, you know, because you know, um, Morgan, well, is a deaf goddess. Like, they are fighting a goddess, and you know, and and I feel like you know, they they are like you know, we can do it. And we are doing it. That's it.
1: And and I also appreciate that the two of them, Northster, told that no, you stay here. You've done enough. Just stay here. And yeah. they just stayed there. <laughs> they didn't have, like, the, oh, you don't, you don't, you don't. no, no, we, no, we're going to stay here. Because, you know, North Sir told us to. So, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So, that was, that was
4: well, the, good. Well, again, his dad coming in. is like, <laughs> and the, the two are, like, you know, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, <just> obeying <laughs> him. It's like, okay. <laughs> we're just going to be It's cute. Yeah.
0: For Children of the Atom, number one, I want to start with Tyler and do our lightning round. There is so much to discuss in this. Let's not dig too deep into themes here. Let us just react. So, Tyler, react. What did you think about Children of the Atom, number
4: one? I mean, when I read it the first time, I was a little bit unsure of how I feel about this issue. And then on the second read, I actually loved it. Um, I mean, you know, I love the introduction of Coda and the powers. I love the voices of the kids and the mysteries surrounding them. Um, you know, I love the senior X-Men discussing about certain things. And, um, you know, does, does this... So, so the question I asked myself is that, you know, does this issue makes me want to read more of them and find out more? Um, and I ended up with a resounding yes so I'm going to give this like four random Krakoa Gates placements out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Fariha, what did you think of Children of the Atom number
0: one?
1: So before I gave my writing round, these are brand new characters. Like yes. the ones that are in the Never been these seen are not, before. they're yeah. not from Claremont Uncanny X-Men number 169 no. No. or no. two appearance in 188. No. It's just brand new characters. As far as far Yeah, we know.
4: They, were, they were in one panel of Marvel voices. <laughs> right,
1: okay, so reset, <laughs> reset. Okay, so knowing that, I absolutely hated it. Hated it, hated it, hated it. Moving on. Go. Next.
0: Alright.
2: All right. Wow. <laughs> i hated it. in the ranks. I Go in the middle. Hated. Um, like if
1: if I if I don't have to come back to do another except Children of the Adam 2, I'm okay. I'm oh my god. No, I no. This is no, this is not acceptable. Alright,
2: let's anyway. get into it. <laughs> Alright. Wow. I all right. uh this book is like the definition of a slow burn, where it grew on me. Uh, I did not like the opening third. It did not. I think the art is pretty weak. That's going to be my biggest complaint. Um, I don't like this kind of Bernard uh, Chang art. Um, but it grew on me with each page. I think it's a super interesting idea for a comic. When they kind of when the ultimate premise of this book was revealed, I was like, this is a very interesting series of characters to focus on. I have no idea where it's going from here. Um, So I'm like super intrigued. Uh, And yeah, I would give this 3.75 weird slang out of five. Somehow I've
0: come to even a different place than all of you. Uh, (laughs) uh, Although I agree with some of the things that you've all said. I, I think this is really valuable because it's something that we haven't really gotten to explore too much yet and a couple of different dimensions and i said we weren't going to get into thematic stuff so i'll save that but also um i think it really weaves The interests of X-Men with the interests of people that are outside and seeing Krakow from the outside together in a way that we haven't really done yet. And so I just think if you're going to sell me a new X-Men book, give me something that none of the other X-Men books are doing already. I agree with Harry that I think the first third was hot garbage. However, I disagree with Harry. I think this is the most I've ever liked Bernard Chang's art. And I think it should always be colored this way. So we'll get into that too. So we have some, this is, I think, as far apart as the four of us have ever (laughs) been on an issue ever. Mm -hmm. And I (laughs) think we got to start with a brief discussion about the release placement because if you're watching Mm. this now, years from now, we have to give you some context on this. This was originally meant to be released 11 months ago in the middle of April 2020 which is right when the pandemic break hit all of comic distribution and so they held it but this was originally going to be released alongside X Factor number one that was going to come out the week after this. It was originally about around issue 10 of most of the launch titles so it was going to hit before four X of Swords was going to hit. So now we're 11 months later. It's hard to know yet where it's going to be placed. Is this going to Definitively place itself before X of Swords, after X of Swords. This issue, I don't think, says any of that for sure. And no. also, there are some reported art differences in between the physical and the digital versions of this issue, especially on the last page, where clearly the book that went up digital had some art that had since been reworked because the digital version also had the last page of other new X Men books coming out that was as it would have been 11 months ago. So I think the thing to just put out there is there are probably some changes that are going to be made to this comic and it may or may not place it more forward or backward than it is. But the one final thing I want to add to that before I give it to Harry is um, I think Vida is a very different author now than when they probably originally wrote this, which would have been another six months even before it was meant to be released. So we're in this interesting thing where this is being released alongside their New Mutants and the New Mutants is showing skills, editorial confidence that maybe this series is not going to have on display, which I think is like a weird place for any creator to be in. And I think that might be something that shows through here in Children of the Atom*. So thoughts Dang. about kind of the relative placement, Harry and Freya and, and Tyler, and then we'll
2: talk about I, I the actual story. All I wanted to say was, uh, I I think the original plan was for this to tie into X of Swords, and I have absolutely no idea how that would have happened for (laughs) reasons we'll get into later. Like, it just makes no sense. Uh, But yeah, I I, I actually thought about that too, Peter. Like, if maybe uh, Iola has uh, developed their kind of writing abilities a bit more since, it's something on my mind at the least. Mm
3: -hmm. For you?
1: No, I'm saying if this was scheduled when it was, I would not be reading their new regions mm. I would be like nope, nope 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 you can't make me I would have been and I would have missed out you know and you know but the thing is nope uh-uh you can't get away with this <laughs>
0: Tyler I mean, any it... thoughts on placement before we dig into the, plot
4: the only way we can place it is with respect to outlaw so uh-huh. if we can place outlaw before certain events then we will know Um, Unfortunately, I think Outlaw has not referenced anything. I don't know if Outlaw happens before um, Empire or after. Uh, Is Outlaw the kid book, like the No Kid Heroes book? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know whether Outlaw, you know, is before after um King it doesn't Black.
1: exist to be honest you know as soon as <laughs> yeah. we're done with it we'll <laughs> no, forget about but, it it doesn't exist kamala's law doesn't exist None of but it's exists. important
4: in terms of placement of this book because oh, right. that yeah, yeah, because yeah, it specifically mentioned that law like right. you know reference it so right. so i think that's the only way we can place it as it stands now that's um, a really good point and there's a lot of books
0: now that are releasing that were originally going to release a year ago and originally yeah. clearly outlawed was going to be happening entirely before King in Black, but yeah. now we have Power Pack, which is happening during Outlawed, being released at least in part after King in Black. So there's definitely some yeah. somebody, when this is all over, you can never tell these things until all the stories are done. And then you yeah. kind of look at the ending status quo of each one and see if it takes somebody off the board. And that's usually mm-hmm. how those of us who do this continuity stuff tend yeah. to figure this out. All right, now let's dig into the actual story. And I think to talk about this book, we've got to start by talking about yeah. the end, right? Yeah. There's no way to talk about this. Was, so at the end, yeah. they go to go through a gate And they can't. But we have to now look at all the things leading up to that. So Buddy, who's our main narrator here, who is, I hate to even say these words, but Cyclops Lass. Uh, Buddy says that they have always felt different. We're led to believe that maybe that's because she was or they were a mutant the x-men believe they're mutants the kids even seem to believe they're mutants in buddy's voiceover they say while the rest of the world sleeps we're ready to embrace our future which clearly is mirroring the monologue from house of x but they roll on up to the gate can't go through and when they can't go through that they say okay next time so my question for the panel starting with tyler is do they think they're mutants and if they're not mutants who are they
4: I mean, that's the big question, like, I think that I think we will get an answer to. But do you, before um, we the know the answer, R- do you think they think they're mutants? That's the thing. Like, I don't know if they think they are, the, they are mutants and for some reason they can use the gate or, I mean, okay. Uh, okay, logically, that's what I'm thinking. If their powers are not natural to them. That means, you know, they created them somehow through some technology. There is no reason why they think they're mutants. Or no reason why they think they can use the gate. So my thinking is that they think they're mutants. And then the next question is that, why are they trying multiple times to pass through the gates that apparently doesn't work? well they're apparently they are like truly like devastated by you know like so that's these two questions that i think still doesn't quite jow in my logic yet Hmm. because you know like yeah yeah
0: fria do you care
4: at all
1: i mean no i mean krakow's gate is me I I am
3: <laughs> like that's
1: that. why I'm not stop. letting them yeah. stop. Like, okay, can I can I actually just say why I'm hating this so much? Like sure, I, I mean say? it might take us into okay. our next
0: topic, but that yeah. I think that's fine.
1: So okay, so the thing is, we are fighting for our space in comic book or in representation in any media, right? So the thing is, it's. I am baffled. I'm baffled by the fact that mutant, where we have seen so many colorful mutants that exist, and then there's even one over here, Maggot, whose intestines apparently are like, you know, showing up outside, like which I didn't know. You guys probably knew about it. There's like, yes. so many different mutants and stuff. And Vita Ayala, who is a person of color, who's non-binary, and they are allowed to write a book, and their first instinct is to make this mutants who look like existing mutants like and they're calling themselves even cyclops last they're calling this a marvel guy and they're all just caricature of those existing mutants like why 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 these these children exist why are they here like why are they and it's not even one of those you know you know how in miss marvel when g willow wilson wrote it she's like oh i'm a fan of miss marvel so i'm going to be miss marvel there was actually a reason even though it's like okay fine whatever it's one person five of them decided to be just a caricature of existing characters like why can't we have new characters why can't they have just separate, like individual different powers? Like, I just don't, I just don't get it. And at that point, it just lost me because I was that like, why? Mutants don't need that. Mut- there could be so many different mutants. Mutants, it just, I. It's it's just that lack. Like what editors told them to do it, then deny, decline this, decline this to say that I'm not gonna give more more oxygen to the assholes on the internet who are like, oh yeah, like you know you cannot do representation without taking other prop. Like no, don't do that. And this is, I mean, I was just I was just so mad. I mean the whole if I could throw because iPads cost so much, I couldn't throw my iPad, <laughs> or else I would throw my iPad and break it. Like I'm glad that this wasn't like actually a physical.
2: I would have tore this, like, no, screw this. So my read was, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but my read was, these are humans that know they are not mutants, even though they keep trying. And they are, you know, not in a derogatory way, but they're kind of posers who are trying to emulate this kind of culture that they've become kind of very attached to. but. I thought the drama came in where it got interesting at the end is they are being rejected because they cannot get through there. So I looked at it more as this interesting group of kind of misfit kids who are trying really hard for reasons we're not sure where it got these suits and this kind of tech power stuff. I don't know if that's true, but we'll see and are, you know looking at Cracone culture from the outside kind of wanting to be on the inside now I could be very wrong in that but that was kind of my my
1: reason so to that point I mean if that is the case then I really don't want this title I want nothing to do with this title because the thing is it's equivalent of saying we have issues with black community or other minority community but hey guess what let's look at it from the point of view of white kids who are allies of those those communities I'm not interested in that I'm not interested interested in that story. There's already stories associated with mutants that needs to be told that we need to hear about because I would have liked to see that, oh, the some mutants are not interested into going to Krakoa, but guess what? Ed Brisson have already done it in new mutants. Like, you know, they were already the story with beak and stuff, and that would have been something. Okay, if these kids are, but then these kids are just knockoff. I mean, that is just driving me insane, that these are knockoffs, when this could have been like, you could have just, oh, there's like 16 million mutants out there, you couldn't just pick up any one of those, you have to make this cyclops last, like, Like, fuck this. No. Like, oh,
0: sorry. I'm done. So let me... So I think you two are taking this, actually, either side of this, to the thing I really want to dig into here, which is the aspect of cultural appropriation that yeah. they are doing of mutants and how that's reflective of a lot of themes both in the marvel universe and in the real world and i have to say this is a hard conversation to have everybody brings their own intersectionality mm-hmm. to us so we're not trying to hurt or offend anybody here and we're doing our best and if we speak wrongly in some way we are definitely interested in hearing your perspective and growing from that but we're going to do our best to have the conversation as genuinely as we can here so i want to go into something that freya talked about because this is the thing that gave me discomfort here too which is that here are people who are feeling dejected and oppressed for ways that may or may not be real, but that feels real to them. We all remember what it's being like being a teenager. You know, Buddy clearly is, is going through some kind of identity um, decision of their own. Maybe they're going to be non-binary or a, mm-hmm. certainly not asexual, at least based on this, because we see that Buddy's attracted to the friend of the other person. Um, and what we're getting is they see in mutants something that they can identify with, mutants being outsiders, mutants having to struggle, mutants being oppressed, nobody accepting mutants. And so they've decided mutants are cool, which is Fine, but then do they like cross a line in trying to actually, you know, take the names of mutants, take the um, expression of powers of mutants? You know, is this a, an analog to the real world? And this is real touchy, delicate stuff of yeah. somebody who you know is non-white, loves hip hop culture, and is saying the N word when they're rapping along with hip hop songs by black creators. Right? Is, I mean, is is that kind of what
2: this is? yes I, that's I, the, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's Thoughts? I mean that was my th- yeah. I I didn't you know I think my read was that, you know, this is not a great thing they're doing. It's not like, I think portrayed in a super positive light, it's more like murky and it's got an interesting feel because I'm watching these characters like this is a weird thing you're doing. And it's kind of, I don't want to say sad, but like a little melancholy almost it, it, but it's, it's not like a traditionally heroic thing I, I felt when I was reading it.
1: But to me, I would like to see this from the point of view of mutants. I want to see this from the point of view of mutants, rather than these sorry-ass characters who are feeling sorry for themselves and they're like, "Okay, who are more oppressed than us? <laughs> Let's be like them." Like, I, I, I don't, yeah. I'm not interested into that story. I'm not mm-hmm. interested. And the fact that this is written by, uh, like, you know, a person of color who as, uh, like, you know, who identifies as a non-binary, this, no, I'm not interested. Make this story from the point of view of mutants. You know, image. make that make that, then, okay, in the end, Buddy was the one who couldn't go through while the rest could go through. Right, that's make what I'm that. interested in.
0: Yeah. I want one of them to be mutants. And then I want to see the <laughs> dissension right. in the ranks. Exactly. Yeah. As one of them actually turns out to be the mutant. And it reminds me of, um, like... A movie like The Craft, you know? Like, one of them turns out to be more of a witch than the other ones. And, like, what does that do for all of them that were, like, playing with being witches when one of them is, like, a real deal witch? And then they have to be, like, some of us were kind of just dressing up and playing with glamours, but you are a witch, you know? And, like, what does that... I want to see that story. That's really interesting to me here. I don't know, Tyler, this has been the three of us
4: going off for a while. What do you have (laughs) to say about all this? I mean, I feel... I feel slightly different from um, what you guys are saying okay like, I mean these are teenagers I mean they're in high school right so they are you know they're teenagers and oh except for except for the day crawler guy I don't no. know if he's That's he, a big f- he, not
3: he's say <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think well, they're I mean, kind
2: of intentionally bad, I'm not even yeah. joking. No, like, no, I think they, they're they're they were. Bad. They're absolutely yeah. intentionally bad. Yeah.
4: Nobody
0: I mean, names yeah. a character Cyclops last, last, uh, uh, yeah. with
2: uh, serious yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh,
4: I'll say that say, say that in, in an interview, that like, yeah, she, did, she didn't want to use these names, but... Um, they. Yeah, but these were like, um, I think, I believe, one of the editors thought of this idea, and asked if she's interested in
3: they.
4: writing the book, but... The thing is this Like as a teenager You Try to emulate Something that you admire You don't think About appropriation Mm. From that perspective Like as a young guy As you know As a teenager If I love You know If I love um, To listen to raps I mean I don't care If I'm Asian Or Because I don't think In that way When I'm young So 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 I don't think they were intentionally appropriating, assuming they are humans, um, and I don't think the intention of what they are doing is, is 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 um, is bad. So, like you know, the 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 starting point, the point where they're coming from is that like I'm trying to emulate as people that I look up to, and in this case, it happens to be mutants, and. In this case, it happens to be mutants who have found their own nation. Who has found an ability to stand up to people who have oppressed them for them being themselves. And why will, I mean, you know, in that way, they are like thinking, you know, I feel... I'm searching for an identity. I feel like I'm being oppressed in one way or another. And you know, I look at these mutants, they are my heroes. And so I'm trying to emulate them and like hoping and praying that I'm a mutant myself, that I can pass through a gate. Maybe because they are teenagers, and maybe they learned that as mutants get their powers as you know when in puberty. So they are hoping, they are trying over and over again, hoping that at one point they are real they are real mutants. They can get through. And they don't have to rely on whatever methods that they're using right now to to power themselves.
3: Well,
0: I I wanna put a little bit of a cap on this, not to end it, but because I think there's some other themes attached to this to get to. Yeah. In saying, I actually completely understand where Freya is coming from because this is usually where I come from on any X-Men book right I like new characters being made but like do it with some purpose do it in a way that I'm going to actually be able to care about them and um, it doesn't just like detract from the existing characters and I think the things that I really liked about it were like I love the whole scene in the gym I liked when they were out of the costumes to me that was really interesting because it was a lot closer to this discussion about identity about feeling like you are a part of something or not a part of something hearing how the other kids in the gym reacted to them saying they were Dazzler fans like, that was really interesting to me. I don't really want to, I, I could not possibly care about seeing these five characters in their costumes <laughs> hopping around, like, sobbing no. banks being robbed. I, if, the, if we don't get a single other scene of that, I'm, I'm down. But here's the other thing I want to add to this discussion, too. Um, is this Vita Ayla's way, as a creator of color, as a non-binary person, of actually commenting about how fans engage with X-Men? You know, I mean, no, you don't think so? No,
3: no,
1: this is not.
0: I absolutely see that. I absolutely see see this. The way that everybody kind of wants to say oh yeah i was bullied in school because i played video games i'm just like the x-men and uh, Vla <laughs> is like not really you weren't born that way uh and and then also you know how then marvel on the other side is always saying about you know oh x-men stands for this minority metaphor and that minority and VLA is saying no not really it's actually pretty different like i just felt like there was this meta narrative of the book yeah. of vila being like let, let's talk about how messed up this is from every side, where everybody just wants to adopt the X Men as their banner. By actually looking at how messed up it is in the universe of, and how angry it's going to make some of you t- to have this group of people adopting X Men as their banner. I like to get, I would like to give Vida that much credit, and assume that that's what they're heading for. Yeah. I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong in the next issue, but that's that's where I landed. I can't imagine it is, won't
2: be. If- in some way. If
1: that is the case, do better.
0: Okay, do better. Marvel Girl, make, right? make
1: this make this the second issue because this is clearly not a first issue. Like, I don't know anything about these characters, and the first thing I'm seeing, they're fighting and they're calling each other those awful names, and then I'm like, who are these characters? And it was impossible then, to
0: follow that scene too. By yeah, the way, we can talk about it's, art. It's, it was wretched. Yeah. There was, yeah, was you yeah. could not figure out what was happening, from what direction, why it was being paneled the way it was. All the costumes are hideous and they all look the same. And you couldn't tell the other people apart. I mean, it was badly planned at the at the most essential level and the execution was horrific.
4: Right, think, and that's i I mean, do I'm you saying. think that, like, because of the need to replace the book at a later time, that maybe Bernard Chan had to actually redraw some of the things? like with very um, little notice because he's on
0: another book right now. Yeah, but the redrawn version would have been what hit print. We've proven that this digital version had old pages in it. So like, I think okay. if if that's the case, I think we're probably seeing the original version here. <laughs> I don't okay. know. Sure, I, I'm never going to own it physically, so I'll never know.
2: Yeah. I'm giving it too much credit, but I was like, man, this opening is really off kilter and kind of weird. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's part of like the tone that they want to give. And now it's just kind of like a badly done so, opening. No, but
1: no, because that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was firstly yeah. angry. I'm like, it's doing that whole nonsense that I keep talking about where it's like, yeah, X-Men World, Remember, you all read Claremont, so we're going to read this. I thought it's doing that thing. But then it's even, even more like upsetting, the fact that these are brand new characters and this is their first appearance. I'm like, what? This is it? Start with one of them waking up, getting ready for school. Like, you know, heading right, as like they're give, getting ready. Give re-
0: us a way into this. In the media yeah, like battle how, is not how the they,
1: way. Yeah, how they are all related to each other. Then, bad. then they actually have the battle. End of issue one. Issue two, it's about all the, how they are like connecting to the mutant culture, all of that. I don't know, make one of them mute And I just think I mean, it, the layout
0: of this was, it was incoherent. Like there was, yeah. we we're over somebody's shoulder and then they're blasting somebody, but then we were on the roof. And then the Archangel character was on the ground again, but then some somebody was giving a high five, but then a traffic light fell, fell down. Like I can, when I see a sequence like this, cause this happens to me a lot, I'm a quick reader. Sometimes nuance can be a little bit lost, whether that's in art and writing. I will go back through and actually write down like why I'm having a problem with each panel and try to see if I'm just missing the connection. And over time I did manage to figure out what was happening, but I don't think that any of this was good enough to be worth the amount of time that I had to put (laughs) in to figure out what was happening that said the one Same. thing I'll say about the art is I've read a lot of Bernard Chang's art um, I he was on Teen Titans for a while in the relaunch yeah. which I also was also a lot of new characters which I also liked because I like new characters and I think when he's colored in this really flat kind of glossy way the weird kind of asymmetry of the way he draws people lands really badly and especially when people just do that like gradient color to try to create um l- you know light across a face it makes his art look just really weird and blotchy and the colors here I thought were like really quite clever in a Way, um, and I'm trying it by Marcelo Maolo, where um, he they actually found a way to do some shading on the faces and show depth on the faces and give the faces a more three dimensional angularity instead of just playing with the flat angularity that Chang drew. And I actually thought that was probably the best I've seen anybody handle art. I think it's weird, it's hard to color. Like, he is one of these artists that I just think a lot of colorists totally whiff on, and I and the reason I enjoyed it, maybe because I've read so much of him, I was like, this is actually a really good way to handle that. But it still doesn't change that the choreography of that scene was terrible.
4: Really? Any other comments because on the Because I art? have- Oh, oh I, Tyler. I, I, I mean, I did not feel that the choreography is, was difficult to follow. <gasps> the, the fast cuts between the fight scenes I think it was intentional to make us confused because the kids themselves this appears to be the very first time they fight someone it is so sloppy. they they yeah. themselves were a little bit confused too so it adds to that sense of like they don't know what they're doing and uh, they knockoffs. know a bit of what they're doing they don't know a lot of what they're doing like you know um but i do agree that like um um, you know Marvel, M- Marvel guy suddenly appearing like on the rooftop was a little bit <laughs> off for me so I was like uh wait yeah. what happened? this brings me
0: back to yeah. one of our critiques that we've had of Rod Rice working with Vida Ayla on New Mutants which is like when you have a relatively young new cast and they're not as iconic and you yeah. don't know them just from a little sliver of their costume you just need to give this kind of thing more space right mm-hmm. if this was these actual X-Men if this was Gene and Nightcrawler and Angel whatever you could probably get away with this because as yeah. readers we we would orient to it a little bit better there would still be perspective problems but we would follow it a yeah. little bit better and since now we've seen this across two Ala books and not for nothing this is one of my major complaints about them for years yeah. i'm saying like i'm not willing to lay it at the feet of any particular yeah.
4: person on the team i think the whole creative team mm-hmm. misfired but so my my main complaint is like why are they random k- Krakon gates placed in these like dingy places I know. I was thinking like in the that. In, in, I knew in, in that Italians to
1: talk about it like <laughs>
4: un- underneath underneath the 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 the, the, the piers in, in on Coney Island like what so they can use the gate during high tide? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. Well
3: let's
0: let's talk about the the Kirk-Cohen contingent here so we mm-hmm. get one contingent yeah. who visits these kids mid battle and it's yeah. it spectacularly comprised of magma pixie and <laughs> and maggot all, all because we demanded yeah. it. Uh and yeah. they're they because because why I because they're like, oh, you should come along. Uh yeah. and then we also have the the A team on the moon. And weirdly, the first downtime scene we've had, I think, in all of the Hickman reign that includes Summers people and also non-Summers people together <laughs> having a downtime, and I think probably the best written one. So there's there's not all bad mm-hmm. about this comic for me. Yeah. And some of the things they say, it's not compulsory, no one is gonna force you to do something you don't want, but when you're ready, come home. Another quote is, they may not be safe in the human world. And then a final quote is, um, Krakoa is open to all mutants, but they have to accept it as their home. So we're seeing the other side of this, you know, uh, group of mutants that these kids are idolizing, where they're like, you you can't just want to like us you can't just think you're cool you've got to ex- radically accept us mm-hmm. as your home and when you accept it then you can be a part of it what did you all think uh totally forgetting about the children for a second about what we saw with the x-men in this issue harry i mean i, I Oh, tyler I, 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 start with tyler. Harry, tyler.
4: sorry <laughs> i mean I, I really enjoyed this discussion and like it, it, it places each of them in in a very um uh, I mean, it it plays them ideologically, like 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 Wolverine is like, do not abandon any mutants, and then Cyclops is more like, well, do not force; they have a yeah. choice, and there's a reason why Jean is in the trouble because Jean is like, do not force, but also do not abandon them. <laughs> Let's just talk to them, and yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it it plays to what I think um, the core. Principles is in some ways even though Krakoan era wolverine has not been going out to uh, to look at you know to rescue kids he was doing his own things all the time yeah. so so i don't know i mean i prefer this wolverine to that mm, wolverine i agree so but yeah. you know but but i mean in short i think i mean i love this this sequence because i think it works really well and you know, um, Ayala has a really good handle on the senior uh, X team. I agree. Yeah. Freya,
0: did this was this a little breath of fresh air in the middle of your seething rage. hatred? Did you get a little? <laughs> did you get a little break from the rage? No, the I scene? mean, look at her face. Oh, no. No. no,
1: I mean, first of all, it's <laughs> like you know, trust, trust Cerebro. So when Cerebro, Cerebro, how you say it? Like Cerebro, when yeah. Cerebro said that I can't find them as mutant because they are not mutant
2: yeah that's, that's what. the towel that like, like, you know, oh. just
1: just just believe in that you know and then trust all just be Cerebra. like yeah trust your like you know that should be a t-shirt but that's <laughs> but that's what i'm saying It just like oh, like, oh
2: no but it's like how but, uh, don't you know that was my how first don't you know? The, yeah
4: the, they did not realize that the whole of russia did not showed up shown any mutants initially okay Okay. Well, it's just
1: it's just because you know we talked about it on our chat. It's like the yeah. mutant population is really weirdly uh, disproportionate <laughs> to the white people. So <laughs> there should be sixty five percent Asian, but they're not. Uh, so it's just because of that. Uh, because is also racist. Uh, but <laughs> but the thing is, I'm just like if you've done this before. Just 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 know like you know just trust in the system or just look into it. Like why is Cerebro? That should be the thing. Like you know what? We should talk to someone. Then why is Cerberus not picking it up? You know, they're doing the same nonsense they were doing before Hickman, where they were just like, like, oh, yeah, whatever, let's play pool, instead of going, <laughs> i it, And then all the things that they were talking about that, oh, we can't force them and stuff like that. Great! Great! Let's just, <laughs> like, you know, Run let's off. have this book, let's just have this book about Wolverine looking for new kids. But no, no, no here no, no. we are, we're looking at pro But
4: Storm is going to approach them.
1: Oh, now Storm is going to approach that,
4: them. That is, yeah. the, that is the conclusion. And then of course, yeah, right. you know, okay. when you play when you play pool with Cyclops, only Cyclops play because he has <laughs> this innate spatial ability with his with his powers and and he he basically down all the boss. I mean I, I thought that was really interesting because I mean yeah. not interesting. I mean I I thought this is a fun callback because like Ayala clearly loves the X-Men. She knows the X-Men. And, Uh, you know, with that, I kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt that she knows what she's doing with these new characters. She has an idea. So, you know, I mean, again, because I did not have this adverse reaction to appropriation, I don't feel that strongly in that sense. So maybe that's why, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give them a chance. I As a sure. reminder to, to Tyler are- and everybody
0: via Ayla's pronouns, are they them? And it's Sorry. hard because yeah. Vita is a gendered name. Like, we look at it, and I, yeah. I was actually looking about me writing about their work back from 2016, and I don't even know if I knew that they were envy at that point. I was just mm-hmm. reading The Wilds, and I was, like, kind of wincing. So I'm like, oh, it says, like, she, she, she. And it's like, well, that's because you were just reacting to the name Vita without knowing anything yeah. about the author. Uh, but now we know. So let's try our best to, yep. to get it right now that we know. So, Harry, you've been holding your tongue down there for a while through some long <laughs> monologues from the other three of us. What, what do you have to uh, say about this X-Men scene?
2: God, uh, you mistook my uh, quiet tongue for a lot of interest. No, um, no, I mean it's it's a, no, no, no. It's it's a perfectly fine scene. I thought that was all written really well. I I don't love the art, but honestly, when I was reading this initially, I was so off kilter from the opening third. I was like, okay, we're talking about the what are we gonna do with the kids thing. This makes sense. And then when they said. We can't see him on Cerebro. I was like, oh, okay, they're humans. And that's when I kind of like, I perked up a bit because I was like, so what is this book exactly? Uh, So I think it was perfectly fine.
1: And then the thing is, this also brings back my hatred towards this original team of X-Men because I absolutely hate them with all my heart because this is also another thing. You're... Effing Island is filled with kids who are unsupervised, <laughs> and you are doing nothing for them. Watch right
0: there. Like, let's <laughs> find some more. Oh, yeah, let's you let some represented by magma. More. They're like we've school yeah. and stuff, and magma's like you can just get that downloaded. Yeah, yeah. which is like that. a
3: which is a Do nice you think
0: comment that about. That like, was supposed that the island... to answer
2: it. Yeah, I answered yeah. it like a year ago. That was like the re- the reasoning. Like yeah, we That's got why. like brain school now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the funny. thing
1: is, but they, these kids are running around without any supervision and doing who knows what. They're sha- they're going after Shadow King. The Shadow King, they're taking Shadow King <laughs> as their as I mean, their mentor. And by that's the way, why
4: Ayala is addressing
0: it. <laughs> so here's what's so interesting to me about this to kind of wrap us up. And if you want to respond, you can. But I just kind of want to put a pit on it. Mm-hmm. We had four vastly different reactions to this book from each other. But I think in each of our reactions, there is a danger here of this losing us in a way that I have not heard about other books early in their time. Even Mm. when we were more divided on X-Factor, more divided on Cable, we've never really been divided Mm. on Hellions. Even though we started out a little bit divided on Sword, I don't think I've ever really heard us as a group be like, this really might not be worth following. And I think each in our own way, we've had a moment of that here so it'll be really interesting to see if the next issue like here okay we've de- we've defined our our conflict we've defined our problem statement we we know what the thing is can issue 2 of children of the Atom take us to a place where this becomes compelling or are we just going to hate on it for former issues that that's I'm, really
2: an an interesting question not today. me i feel I'll like i love oh, it me, tyler man. will love it <laughs> i'm actually I, more so than any book, I, I have no idea what this is supposed to be. And I almost don't mean that as an insult. I was talking to Tyler off the show saying this, the premise of this book, if what I'm thinking is right, it feels like a subplot for like a random issue, but this is an actual series from the, the posers perspective, not to, you know, look down, but like, I don't know what this is going to look like. It feels like it could be a miniseries. I can't imagine this is an ongoing, but the fact that this is what the position they're taking is like free. I totally get why you think this is all nonsense is not worth it, but it's such an odd move. And also like I is just such an interesting person to write about this kind of thing that I I'm, I'm honestly very curious about the next issue. I just have no idea what it's going to be.
4: Hmm. I mean, I actually me. thought like free, how would, would like I mean, same I totally like thought because Buddy basically <laughs> yeah. said what well, she like she has been echoing in you know in the Facebook group you know because Buddy was like how does moving to a place where mutants aren't persecuted equals mutant raising an army or mutants mm-hmm. abandoning your dream you know Yes, I know.
1: I'm, I'm with I'm with Buddy on that one. Stop calling yourself psychops. Stop <laughs> calling yourself. <laughs> then I'm completely with you because that's that. I mean that just. That just pissed me off. Because the thing is, here's the thing, this this should have been issue two. Like, if this was Mm. issue one, if the issue one kind of showed us who these characters are, why they are choosing these names, what they're, like, you know, like, it's like, oh, one time Cyclops saved me, so I am now Cyclops last. Like, you know, one time, like, I like this, like, the fact that five of them has same outfit and like that... That boggles my mind. It should have been one of them. One of them should have been mutant. It should have been new mutants, some of the new mutants character interacting with them and learning about this. And then we are seeing it from that point of view that, oh, okay, there are actually poses out there because guess what? It is true. It's part of life. And it's an important aspect to talk about whether they are mutants and they are not coming to the island or they are humans. They think that they are mutants and they're trying to appropriate a culture. It's all good. Not See,
2: this way. I just well, don't, I, can't, I don't read them thinking they are mutants. It really does feel like mm-hmm. like not. W- wishful thinking. That was my, the last page. It's kind of sad. It's like just one. So I gotta
0: throw, I, I do have to get us to wrap up here. And so I'm going to throw one yeah. comment
2: on that and then I'm going
0: to play host privilege and tie things up mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i remember i mean i know the x-men weren't real you know but i remember at points as a teenager i had one window in my bedroom um looking out like into an alleyway and just being like i would take anybody who would come to this window from any form of fiction and whisk me away i'm like if storm flew up to the window and was like you're coming to xavier's i'd be like great if if santa claus came to the window and was like <laughs> you're an elf I would say, great. Those are the two I remember in specific. I was like, maybe Santa will come. I know he's not real, but what if he was Mm -hmm. and I could just leave here? Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, I think if I was a teenager right now and there was a Krakoan gate over yonder outside of my window, I would walk up to that gate and tap my hand against that gate every single freaking day.
1: No, that's true. That's true,
0: but you
2: yeah. wouldn't call yourself Last. No, I would not call myself You wouldn't call yourself
1: my Marvel guy. So, you wouldn't but, call yourself any of that. But so Reddit, yes, Reddit you would dorks, do
2: use Reddit dorks are on the internet too much. These guys would do it. And that's why <laughs> it's like, it's kind, but it's like, it's kind of shallow. It's not, I, mean, I, but, I feel like. All, all, it, right, it, all yeah. right, all right, all right, all right. So
0: yeah, here's, yeah. The, here's the final <laughs> thing I'm gonna say about this, because I think something Freya said about this being issue two is really interesting. Comics are serialized fiction. And serialized fiction, Whether it's TV shows, comics, whatever, you gotta hook the person before they can wind up wandering away. And some of the narrative tricks that you might use in a movie or in a novel that makes you really intensely dislike the situation or have questions about the situation in the beginning don't always work in a number one issue. And whether that's making the character super unlikable or giving us a status quo that just does that Mm. bugs. Um, it doesn't always work out. And I think that if you were to look at the last year of Marvel, there's some series that got away with that and there's some series that didn't, right? X-Force started with Professor X being Mm -hmm. shot in the head. A lot of people were like, oh, you're ruining everything about Grigal right away. (laughs) And we were like, or we could just hang in because this is an interesting plot point.
3: Mm -hmm. To
0: take a different perspective, I think if you look at Kelly Thompson's recent Black Widow, the plot that she saddled Black Widow with there was even though you knew there was going to be a way to find out and get your way out of it, it just took away so much agency from the character that was so gross that i know a lot of people tapped out of it immediately so i think you know this is a valid concern to give a number one it's fine to have mystery in a number one issue and it's fine to ask questions in a number one issue but you got to make us like it and you got to make us not um be so uninterested in the answer to the question that there's some danger that we might not want to get a second one and i do think that this issue had trouble passing that test For Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood number four, we're gonna have our lightning round on the first story. The letters in all these stories are by Clayton Cowles and this first one is called The Art of Loss. It is by Kelly Thompson and Carrie Randolph. It takes place shortly after Uncanny X-Men 173. And we will start with Fariha. What did you think of this story?
1: So this is kelly thompson so obviously it's five star uh but more than that it was a it was a fun story it was um uh, like you know i don't know what happened in uncanny x-men 173 yet i will find out soon enough so i can't tell like you know what this is referring to but this has mystique i love mystique and there were some fisticuffs and then you know some Uverine was crying about miracle leaving him uh who we have met barely recently in Uncanny X-Men. Uh, and then um, Ro- uh, Mystique was upset about Rogue leaving her. So it's all about loss and everything. And I thought it was fun. It was a fun, episode, uh, fun issue. You know, don't have... Not even an issue, but a few pages. So, yeah. I say this was a this was a good one.
2: Harry, what did you think? Okay, I thought this completely kicked ass uh i've been kind of up and down on these stories but like if we're just talking strictly art and just an exercise and really really cool art i think carrie randolph just blew this out of the water uh because i've liked him a lot i liked him on the mosaic book when they were kind of marvel is lost in the woods with the inhumans so but i kind of forget <laughs> about i forget about him every once in a while so i read this and i'm just like this looks incredible now i don't know what this story was referring to which is kind of like a theme where these stories are placed kind of like almost deleted scenes as part of other stories uh but this just looked so cool it just felt like this nice fight like i i really like this was such a great way to start off the book this was probably my favorite of all the stories in all the books it's not the deepest one but like i'm sure like visual execution and just fun like I, i can't think of one that's better
0: I, you know, a few of the things that you've said really came to me in my read of it too. One of which is I do think Carrie Randolph has handled this black, white, and red palette the best of almost all of the artists, especially because I feel like they're really using uh, the white effectively. A lot of the artists are, are filling space with the black and the red, but this story I feel like the white held space as much as the black and the red. And I think that the most successful ones throughout this whole series have done that. Is it kind of like a lightweight fight scene? Yeah. But here's the thing. You can make a lightweight fight scene count a lot more if you place it in continuity, because then for the hardcore, you get us to fill in the blanks around it. And even Frio, who doesn't necessarily know 171, 172, 173, which for my money are some of the most classic X-Men issues of all time. uh, 171 is possibly my favorite issue of Uncanny X-Men of all time. Um, (laughs) Okay. So... For me, to have that footnote, I got to read so much more into this, and I loved it. And I don't know if it would hit as hard for somebody not, but I just think that's the best way to do these anthology books. Just let us know around when you were picturing it happening. Don't make us guess, like, based on the costume and based on who's alive and who's not alive. Just just tell us. There's no harm in telling us. And I think by telling us, it made this even more exciting than it would have been had they not.
2: But on the other side, I and mean, it's awesome that you got that that much from it because you know what the story was. But for me, as someone who doesn't know this, but like, I, I understand, but you know, hurt Wolverine's you. having it a, no, no, yeah. Wolverine's having a bad day. We know what his deal with this rogue for the most part. It just, it felt like uh, timeless in a timeless in a cool way.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's the best, to me, that's the best way an anthology book can go. You let us know when you were thinking it could go, but you also write something that a doesn't super matter my one final comment though is i wish the red was redder it was a little bit orange. yeah i
1: was just gonna say that <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say that it's like so is it because i read it digitally so is it like the same for everyone because
2: i read it it looks too. orange
1: i'm color you can't
2: don't don't put me in on this <laughs> i'm like whatever color like, it is is what it is what is what
0: color is it for you just like muddy green brown <laughs> <laughs> it looked red to me so whatever <laughs> no, but
1: like, it looked it it looks very orange. So the thing is like, I don't know whether it's because they were trying to keep up with uh, Mystique's hair. So they wanted, they needed to kind of keep it that, but then that just beats the purpose of black,
0: white blood. It, <laughs> yeah. it was a, light, it was it a lighter bloody. shade, I can agree. I mean, Mystique's <laughs> yeah. hair is a little orange, but anyway, all right. Second story. Yeah. This is called Reeve What You Sew. It is by Ed Brazon, Leonard Kirk, and a color assist from Andres Mosa. So, for, and it takes place after Uncanny X-Men 229. Freya, what did you think about this one? Fine, it's fine.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's like, it's, it's a definitely a pure epilogue. And without reading that issue, I, I was like, sure, Reavers. Yay, let's <laughs> let's get rid of them. And he fed some shark. That was good. But then the first couple of pages, like, oh, sorry, the first pages did not have any... It was all black and there was like a, a few, there was too much black and white, and then it was overabundance of red in a lot of them. So there was like a misconnect. Uh, Disconnect, but um, this also has the story. I feel like I have talked about it at some point. How to kill Wolverine, and I feel like Ed Brizan saw that episode and was like, "Oh yeah, that's how you kill him." Because yeah, right about this. Yeah, they talked about that drowning thing, which either he saw the old guard, the movie, or he saw that episode. He saw one of it because then that that is exactly the same. (laughs) thing that I talked well, about. Well, that really
0: is. It's, you either got to throw Uber. them into the sun or you got to drown them. Those are your options, right? Yeah, yeah. So,
1: and then, so that's, that's the one. So, yeah. So it was, it was fine.
2: Maybe I was just in in a great mood when I was reading it or just so high off the first story, but uh, this story wasn't as good, but I thought it was like a ton of fun. And, you know, I like Leonard Kirk, but like the thing, it was such a gnarly story. Like, it's not just like bloody, it's like chunks and viscera and gore. And I'm not going to lie, the scene where like the last henchman's like flying away and Wolverine just shoots him with a harpoon. And it's the next page is him happily driving the boat away. I laughed out loud. That was really funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was solid. I, I don't always click with Ed Brisson, but uh, I think it was, it was pretty well done. And the art was like a nice level of just like just in your face gross, which was cool.
0: Again, for me, the art was very much the first thing I reacted to. I love Leonard Kirk from a very specific period of Leonard Kirk, especially when he was on uh, Captain Britain and MI 13, and then four or five yeah. years later on the Fantastic Four yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. by James Robinson. And I feel like he's gotten a little sparser on details since then. And this didn't feel like that. This felt like, wow, I totally remember why I love Leonard Kirk, which made me think like, maybe it's color on Leonard Kirk that I don't like. Or maybe mm-hmm. he's drawing with less detail for color, and he drew with more detail here for the red. Now, I don't think he used the white space as effectively as Kerry Randolph necessarily did in the first story, but everything was really intelligible and the red really popped. And I think it was the dimension on the red was really nice uh, on the color Shamosa. Story-wise, it's like Wolverine fighting some Reavers on a boat and some sharks. Like, I don't, I don't think it's particularly <laughs> memorable. I don't think it adds a whole lot to X-Men 229 if you then go and read this. But again, giving us that little bit of context, I think made it a little bit more interesting than just some generic Wolverine kills some Reavers story had it not just had that small editorial box and maybe that just makes me a total whore for continuity but I think (laughs) just having that adds a little bit to me so it was well drawn it was kinetic I enjoyed how bloody it was and it never felt like gratuitous like it it was bloody and gory without it being like oh here's guts just to have guts you know and and that to me is like right the line that I want with Wolverine I'm not this is not like a crossed comic you know like it's not bloody just to be bloody it's bloody because Wolverine is the best at what he does
2: yeah, it's still storytelling more than just like check out our M rating, you know.
0: Yeah. All right, well that brings us to the third story. The third story is called Sticks and Stones. It is by Stephen S. Denite with Paulo Sequera on pencils, Orin Junior on inks, and again Andres Molsa on colors. Frio, what did you think of Sticks and Stones?
1: This is like I I'm, I'm because I'm reading Clara Mart stuff right now so I'm kind of sometimes uh, rate, I'm going to rate, start rating issues by most and to miss Clara Claramontian <laughs> so this is like the this is like the most Claramontian thing I've ever uh, like I've read that is not written by Claramont like <laughs> you know yeah. it was just it was just a very like you know early like you know uh, between 94 to 119 that i've read so far uh you know like they, they they went to the savage land they had a fight he had a team up with sauron which i now know by the way who he is and then they went to this other petrify. and then they're like yay a fight over and now we're gonna fight it's 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 like old silver age comic book superhero that's what it is um in terms of coloring and art lot more red like lots and lots more <laughs> red and uh, yeah it was it was i all, I had fun with it i i like you know, it was fun but nothing that i'll remember
2: yeah i mean Hi. you know yeah so this was you know the the art i think is is fine i think this definitely falls in more the, the art itself i enjoy but it's not really taking a ton of use of the uh black and white and red kind of scheme which is a shame, but this was written by steven S. knight who I mean, I believe is the writer for the second Pacific Rim movie and uh, Daredevil, what have you. So I'm always kind of curious when yeah, like he's a-, a Hollywood guy. Yeah, he's a Hollywood guy. So I'm always kind of curious how that comes to. So I thought this was okay. I just, um, I'm, I'm a mark for like, just the hero and villain teaming up and Wolverine and Sauron just like making shitty comments to one, each other, one another while they're fighting the other guy. Like it was fun. And, um, you know, yeah, it, this, this, didn't like really come together, but as like, a you know, an exercise by a Hollywood guy, I thought it was relatively, relatively successful. I'd give it like a three and a half.
0: Yeah, you know, for art on this one, I thought the art was really impressive. This was a really mm-hmm. big, hefty Wolverine. He really like held space on the panels, and the choices of how to use red were varied, right? We had red for blood and viscera, but we also just had blood red knocked back in the background at points. We had whole panels that were red to just kind of indicate like danger, and then we even, at one point, have a whole panel that is um, silhouetted in red, as it's kind of just like meant to be the way that the light is cast against it to show everybody backlit. And I, I really mm-hmm. liked that. I think it was really effective, and one of the most effective uses of red read throughout a story, I think, that we've had in this whole anthology. Interesting. Story-wise, story like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it nods to early Claremont. It doesn't have an editorial note, so we don't quite know when it could happen. Uh, you know, Wolverine is kind of a little bit buddy-buddy with Sauron, so you get the idea that it's after several encounters with Sean over the years. I decided for myself that it happened when Wolverine gets dropped into the Savage Land at the beginning of Savage Wolverine at the uh, beginning of Marvel Now. That's when I decided personally (laughs) it was gonna fit. But it's like, it's kind of just like a nothing story. And this is my fear in these anthologies that you get like really, really good art and a story that just nobody will ever remember. And that's fun to pick up. But like, then it's like, why did you make this artifact? Why why does this thing exist? Why did you print it? Why did we buy it? Because even though this was enjoyable and there was nothing bad about it, i just think it's not going to stick in my brain ever again and th- and this is the last moment i'm going to recall it for the rest of my life
2: well i wonder if like and I, I agree with you i think that's a solid point about you know these anthologies can run the risk of uh being kind of empty calories in a way yeah. but like this whole the whole pitch i don't maybe i'm maybe i'm being too hard but like, the whole pitch of like a wolverine anthology where the emphasis is blood and like violent it just it doesn't seem to like lend itself to too many like super deep or interesting stories to me. So I feel like I've been like gravitating towards more just enjoying the art as like an ex, like from different people. Now I'm not I I don't want to like, make excuses, but that's kind of like been how I've been viewing these in a lot of ways.
1: So a question though, because this is the last of this. And I think after that, we're going to have carnage.
2: Yeah, we're not doing white.
1: that. No, I know we're not doing <laughs> that, but if there was another mutant you would like to do this anthology with, who would it be and what color?
0: Ooh. That's awesome. Damn. Well, you know, they just announced, uh, as we were getting ready to record today, uh, Wonder Woman, Black, White, and Gold and I am yes I am all about
1: I'm all about the variant covers of that I mean Wonder Woman has some of the best variant covers in Rebirth since Rebirth till now so I'm all about the variant
0: covers and the Wonder Woman anthology stuff I mean I'm a Wonder Woman mega fan I will read anything Wonder Woman and the anthology Wonder Woman stuff in the past couple of years and the digital first and stuff it's been better than her actual series so the fact that we have her actual series right now with Becky Cloonan who the top row here on the video is a big fan of and then you and then You also are going to have good anthology stuff. I'm like, this is our year, 80th anniversary. Anyway. <laughs> and,
1: then, and then the variant the cover better have like a gold plate.
2: Oh.
0: Like,
1: there better be, or else I'm <laughs> to, coming after UDC. But back to it, um, Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah back to, to X-Men. get to your question,
2: what? I feel like Cyclops could be kind of entertaining. Ugh. No, no, just hear me out. Because you'd have to have a bunch of writers try to make it interesting from this very neurotic. Kind of can be vanilla. And character. then there will be like, like so many red, job. so many red out of his <laughs> eyes. Like, yeah, ah, but I, that's like that's more of a challenge, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know.
0: What's yours? Peter? You know, part of me says it probably should be Storm because if there's any character that deserves this format, that there are a million stories to tell with from their long history, it's probably Storm. And I think you would probably do gold as your third color on Storm because it would sure, be yeah. lightning. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of story possibility there, honestly. Now, could you probably also get away with doing this with Psylocke Quanin, and do the third po- color as purple, <laughs> and would it be really cool? Yeah, but she's getting other attention right now, so I don't know and if that's... that's really it. I, I really think if there's a character who just feels like there's a wealth of stories and really deserves this anthology format, it's Storm.
2: I like yours more, damn it. All right, yeah, I changed mine to Storm.
1: <laughs> hey, <laughs> no do No, what no changes. You think?
2: I, I would
1: for 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 some reason I actually want more like you know Magneto <gasps> and that's, oh yes it's like Magneto red purple red, black red and purple <laughs> you know, <laughs> back to his original it's purple right like it's purple he did, yeah it's he,
0: purple in yeah the yeah it's
1: a purple because and that's only because I want more anthology of like of Magneto when he's not fighting X Men what have he's been doing, I want to know more stories of that. I'm pretty sure there's probably out there, I just haven't read it. But the thing is like, I want more, like I just wanted, you know, I've just been thinking about that. But yeah, that would be our wish list.
0: Well, I think what this format really does lend itself to the best is when you have a character who A, you know there can be a lot of hidden moments that could be interesting because it's already been implied. It's not like we have to make up new moments because then it's like the book has to do a lot of heavy lifting to do that. And that B, at least the way Marvel does it, um, this is very, I think, influenced by like Marvel magazines from the 1970s and the very kind of specific pulp quality that they had. You know, they did all these horror magazines and also Iron Fist sometimes would be in Deadly Hands of Kung Fu and would be in Black and White. I think I have that book right here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think think that you know like these it's, it's gorgeous gorgeous stuff it's and oh, wow. and it yeah. really showed you know pencilers of that period really knew how to use black and white and so i want to see marvel pick characters that a have the narrative depth to support these stories but b really benefit from an almost pulpy take whereas dc does it did it for harley quinn some of which was really good don't get me wrong and they're about to do it for um superman and i'm kind of like I, I just i feel like I'm there's so more good. interesting color characters to have a, to, to do this kind of a black and white page on than, than that. And I, that's why I think Magneto would be thrilling because you could tell, tell the whole life of Magneto. Tell when he was a child, you know, in, in pre-war. Tell a concentration camp story. Tell a story when he's hunting down Nazis. Like, you can pl- tell he a story recently, leading yeah. up to When he to recently broke M. up
2: with, yeah. When he yeah, recently broke up with Professor X. You know, like, oh. was, seriously, no, like 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 him right after the schism, you know, or the split. Like that could be cool.
0: And I mean, yeah. for that matter, let's get a Mora book like this, right? Like let's just <laughs> have it be a different color for each life.
3: Call yeah, it exactly. Mora <laughs> rainbow. Ooh. And then yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it
0: could be a Pride book, and then have uh, with Pride covers without any um, yeah. characters in it because Marvel loves to do that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and yeah, have each different one be. I'm I'm in a
2: mood today. Yeah, I could. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm no. glad. I'm glad Marvel did this. This was a fun little mini series, and I wasn't sold on it in the beginning, but I really had a good time. No,
1: no I, I really, I really like this so. thing, though, because the thing is, like, if it's yeah. bad, then you're like, oh, it wasn't in, in-, in continuity anyway. That's but the if best, it's good, man, and and if it's good, then yeah, it is absolutely in continuity, and we know right which page it falls <laughs> on. So now- yeah.
2: And now we know that, I didn't realize that Peter loves Greg Land that much. Now I know that you might need to be certified. So we're all just learning things about each (laughs) other. It's great.
0: (laughs) That is it for our X-Men issues of the week. There were not really a lot of X-Men appearances elsewhere, although there were a lot of really good Marvel comics elsewhere, except for to say that uh, Henry Peter Gyrich in Immortal Hulk, what was the issue this week? Number 44, pretty much picks up his scene from Sword Number 3. They're both by Ewing. It doesn't have anything to do with mutants, but like he's like self-monologuing, and I, I absolutely think that Ewing pretty much means you to just read it as a continuation from him being in his office and he's um and him kind of having the call with the people who are against mutants. But there's no actual mutant content that is notable elsewhere in the Marvel Universe this week. This is all that you've got. So, looking forward to our X-Men books that we're going to be looking at next week. What's on the schedule, speaking of Sword, is Sword Number 4 and X-Force number 18 so we'll get a Ooh. follow up on that choir stuff that we were really into last yeah. time around so on the path of the four of us myself Harry Tyler and Faria thank you so much for being a part of our discussion of the X-Men books this week we love doing this together because why Faria?
1: x is better when it's wrapped
0: them. And that's absolutely true for me. Even though I got a head start on reading this week, this was not real to me until we got together, the four of us to talk about uh, it. So thanks for being a part of that with us. And hopefully you're getting a little bit of extra love of these excellent issues by doing it together with us. And we will see you next time on This Week in X.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.